Welcome to the Diving Pod. I am Aaron Rooney. And I'm Heath Calhoun. This episode is brought to you by Sideline Scout. Video replay is extremely important in diving, and Sideline Scout has the best in the business with their Poolside Live. Heath and I both use Poolside Live. It's incredible. Um, it's, it's back to the days of TiVo, but much better than TiVo. Uh, they, they use an Apple uh, remote control, so, and the controls are extremely easy, fun to use, and it's the best way to get the video replay that you're looking for. You can customize the time delay. You can rewind slow motion and even go frame by frame. Uh, my favorite part about it is it doesn't rely on the school's spotty Wi-Fi connection like a whole lot of these apps out there do. So get over to Sideline Scout, check out what they have to offer, look at their poolside live and um, get in on it. It's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, so we're going to kind of continue here with us interviewing each other. Um, it was just an idea we had, and I'm pretty excited for us to get the opportunity to elaborate on maybe what we talked about a little bit, um, in our very first episode, which if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen. Um, but we're going to kind of answer some listener questions as well as some questions that I have for Aaron at the end of this. Um, so we're going to jump right in and, uh, Aaron, so when did you know that diving was going to play a major role in your life? And how has that role been, or excuse me, has that role been what you thought it would be? Yeah. Um, so I started diving when I was in seventh grade. My neighbor, uh, who actually I kind of want to give a shout out to him. Uh, he, he recently has passed. He had a heart attack kind of unexpectedly. His name's Bill Vogler. Um, he had kids in swim club and we were jumping off the dock one day and he said, why don't you try diving? And here we are. Um, when I knew it was going to be a big role in my life was probably junior, senior year of high school when I started to get good. Um, you know, I was really interested in going to camps, really interested in getting better at this sport, went on to college, uh, didn't really know I wanted to coach until probably, probably junior, senior year of college there as well. I was uh, elected team captain for two years, and that was just kind of one of those things that was really fun for me. I was a walk-on on the team. So then to become a captain, the, the final two years that I was there was pretty special. And that was when everything kind of hit me like, all right, you're, you're fairly good at this sport and people respect you. They look up to you. They, they look to you for leadership. Um, and then, you know, ultimately coming back home to my hometown of Alexandria, we had my high school diving coach here and she, uh, we never even really talked about it. Uh, still haven't talked about it to this day, but she just kind of basically didn't, uh, didn't renew her contract. Didn't want to be the diving coach anymore. And there was a, a gap year where there was another fella here, but, um, you know, after, after that gap year, I just, I really wanted to do it. We had a swim coach who was dedicated to not only diving, but getting me in as the diving coach. So I was incredibly fortunate to have that time just kind of overlap perfectly. And, and now, like I said, you know, my role it's, it's been amazing. You know, I, I get to continue to do this sport that I love so much. And then not only that, but I get to shape some lives along the way. Um, I mentioned last episode and it's still going on. We have some vacuuming going on at the store here. I, uh, I do all my podcasts at Cowling Robards. We'll mention that later in the episode, but, uh, yeah, we got some vacuuming going on outside my, uh, my door and not a whole lot I can do about it. So I apologize for the noise. 
that's okay. That's, that's awesome. Um, if you didn't coach, what would you want to do with your life instead? Yeah, this was a fun one. I saw this question come in and I started thinking about it. Um, I am, I'm big into just like weird sports. I really like golf. I really like watching formula one. I really love, uh, curling in the winter time. <laughs> and if I'm being totally honest, like if I wasn't a coach, I would probably just focus on those sports a little bit more and just continue to get better at them. Um, at one point in my life, I was a two handicap golfer and we talked last episode about masters diving a little bit. It's so fun to be good at something, you know, a two handicap golfer, NCAA all American diver. But like when you get to a point and you're no longer that good, it's frustrating and it's hard to want to continue to train and get better right now. I'm holding a seven handicap. And I think back to the days of being a two and I could shoot a 72 It's like, I can't do that right now. And it's really frustrating. So (laughs) I would probably spend a lot more of my time on the golf course, uh, getting better at that. But not only that curling in the winter, I love curling, man. It's so much fun. And curling is so similar to diving in the sense that if you're flexible, you're probably going to have very good technique. Um, if you are, you know, capable of getting into a competitive mental headspace and staying in that mental headspace for a long time and, and doing it well, like both of those things are tremendously in common with curling and with diving. So I have the flexibility. I feel like I have the mental game. I've been to nationals, uh, I think three different times, uh, just for arena nationals for those who are thinking I'm going to the Olympics, which is so not true. Basically arena ice is hockey arena ice. And then, you know, they also have dedicated curling facilities with only curling ice. And so the way that I was thinking about the relationship was you have a good high school diver and then you throw him at, uh, USA national juniors and you see how he does. It's, it's not going to go well. It's not, uh, it's not the same world. It's not the same competition. I might be a good curler in Alexandria, Minnesota, but you put me up against John Schuster, who is the skip of team USA. Yeah. He will absolutely destroy me and laugh (laughs) at me. So, but I, I would just spend more time doing those things, you know, getting getting better and having fun. Awesome. Um, you know, so I like this question. I didn't have a good answer for it. I'm excited to see if you do. Was there ever a time in your diving career that fear consumed you and how did you overcome that? And if you don't, I'll, I'll rephrase it the same way you did for me or a mental block. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I was listening to your answer and I have almost an exact same answer. I, I didn't really ever have a mental struggle. Uh, I was in a position where my dad said to me, what your dad said to you, he said, Hey, when your coach says to do something, you just don't say no. And there have been many times where I took a really hard smack. I remember learning front double pike on one meter when I was in, uh, I don't know if I was ninth or 10th grade, either way, but I refused to bend my knees. That to me in my head was drilled into me like, no, you're doing this pike. You cannot bend your knees at any point in this. So there were three in a row when I was learning front double pike, I landed flat on the water. I sat on the water, right? It landed on my butt and my ankles at the same time because I refused to bend my knees. And coach just kept saying, all right, let's do another one. All right, let's do another one. 
it got so bad. Like he just looked at me and said, all right, we, we're going to move on. I'm not, I'm not going to watch you do this anymore. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I've never really had a, a, a fear block. I've seen it many times and I'll answer it from the coaching perspective. Yep. Uh, we actually had a, a recent, a recent issue with this. I had a young lady who, uh, threw her head back a little bit on reverse kicked out early. And those combinations usually don't end well. And she clipped a finger on the board and, um, she was pretty shook up. And then, you know, she healed up. It was a week later. I think she didn't hit super bad, but it's concerning anytime you hit a body part on the board. Um, we came back a week later and we were doing some reverse. I said, it's time, it's time to, time to get up there and go for it. And I, I just kind of mentally helped her step-by-step step with, okay, your jump is fantastic. Your reach is fantastic. Your head and hips are in the right position. You're ready to do this dive. And she definitely was fearful and scared. And I said, I'm not going to let you do anything that you're not ready for. You're ready to throw this dive again. Let's make it happen. And then I just kind of reminded her as well, when you kick out, make sure you don't kick out with your arms first. You kick out with your legs first and stay nice and tight, slide to your body. And it went in just fine. You know, obviously she was scared. Uh, she got over it and um, it still continues to be one of the best dives that she has. But uh, it, it, it's just one of those, you, you have to get over it and you have to get through it. And there's no way to cheat around it. You just have to, you just have to kind of, swallow your pride and go for it. Even though you're scared, you just got to go. Yep. Yep. So, um, what is your favorite part of coaching diving? Um, there's a lot. Uh, I would probably have to go with just seeing young athletes develop the love for the sport. Um, that's probably the best way that I can answer that. I love diving more than anything. Um, arguably more than any human being, which is hard sometimes. Uh, but when you see a front one and a half pike go in and they square out properly or a reverse dive pike go in and it's ripped for eights and they come out of the water and they're just like super smiley or even better is, Hey coach, I'm really confident with this dive. Can we move it around in my list so that I can do it? before this other dive, I'm not so confident with to build that with. And so, you know, it's, it's that understanding of, Hey, I know I'm more successful when I'm confident. So it just those conversations about, you know, how a list might look, how a list might work in the, in the diving, just in the meet to, to develop confidence. It's just an intelligence in the sport that I love hearing those questions and those comments and, Hey, what if I do this instead of this? is that good or bad and why? And you know, I just love the response and the feedback that you get when there's a, when there's an athlete that's, that's dedicated and they love it and you can tell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your favorite drill you would recommend for other coaches to try with their divers? So definitely have one here. Um, it's just essentially a back dive lineup straight on one meter springboard. Um, I've seen a lot of top teams and a lot of top divers do it where your arms are down on your thighs. You simply, usually I don't even have my kids oscillate. You just pop up hard. You pop your toes in front of you, you looking at your toes. So essentially at this point you're parallel to the water and then you, uh, you do your, your look and your reach for the water. It's just a back dive, but you don't use any arms. You don't use any oscillating. It's just one big jump. 
and you push your toes. The reason I love that one so much is especially for gymnasts. Um, they struggle keeping their head down, looking at their toes when they are flipping backwards. Everybody wants to look for the water or in gymnastics, they want to look for the floor or whatever they're landing on. It's natural. It's very natural to throw your head back and look at where your feet are going to land. And in diving, I want the exact opposite. I want you to look at your toes so you can spot, you know, that part of the dive before looking back for the entry. So we do a fair amount of back lineup drills just with that little pop drill. I did that uh, when I was in Texas for the first time when I was a junior in high school and, and we did it on three meter and I was terrified. I mean, I was super scared, but I was just like, all right, he says, go for it. I'm going to go for it. Yep. And um, that just one, that one's really stuck with me. Plus it, it helps you identify when your shoulders are dipping back. Um, a lot of times kids will just launch out halfway across the pool and sit down instead of jumping up and popping their toes. They're just going halfway across and it's a big rainbow. It's like, you know, you get to explain where your hips should be. You get to explain where your shoulders should be without using your arms. You're just jumping. Uh, so that, I use that one a lot. Awesome. Awesome. Um, who are your favorite divers to watch past or present and why? Um, in high school, I really liked watching Mark Carlton. I really, really yeah. liked watching Mark Carlton. He was probably a very similar diver to how I was. He's very pretty. Um, and I was a pretty diver, not so much on the power side. Um, currently, I mean, present, I, I, I love watching Andrew Capabianco and, and, uh, Jordan Wendell. Jordan Wendell is insane. He's so talented and so good. Um, on the women's side, I really love watching Brooke Schultz. Uh, she's, she's kind of the opposite of Mark Carlton for me. She's got so much power. And I first watched her, she did a front three and a half on one meter. And I, I didn't know that dive was even possible, let alone possible for as powerful of a female as she was. So that was impressive. She, she is, she's incredible. I I also love watching Haley Hernandez. She's a tactician when it comes to technique and it's, it's unbelievable and so fun to watch. And to see her make the Olympics with a tuck list. It was like, yeah, she's just, she's just that solid. <laughs> yep. And then who would you say are your diving idols? Um, Tracy Torgerson. She was my first two years college coach. She coached me a lot in, uh, in high school in the summertime. I went to her every single second that I possibly could. She's been amazing. But then just diving idols like Andrew Capobianco. I mean, I'm so fortunate to have met him through this podcast. Um, Jordan Window is another one of those where it's like they just they're 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 at the top level, and I love watching them do their thing. Yep. Yep. All right. Best smack. Yeah, this was. Uh, the I, know on it, I know one. I know one. The timing on it was really interesting too. I did a full out. Um, and, uh, again, I'm a pretty diver, not a power diver. So my twisters were front one and a half, double twist, front one and a half, triple twist. I couldn't flip very fast because my legs are super long. So we were working full outs and they were okay. I mean, I would, I would, I could sneak them in for five and a half pretty consistently. That's not what you want at nationals by any means, but we were one week prior to nationals and we were working full outs. And I just had a practice where I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to kick so confident and I'm going to be so strong on this. So I did the, I, I did essentially a one and a half. I kicked out, I did my twist and I dug for the entry. <laughs> right. And I, I thought that I was flipping so fast this time. So after I dug for the entry, I extended my legs up to reach and to rip the entry and to rip the dive. And I was not flipping very fast. And I was halfway across the pool. So when I was perfectly straight up and down, perfectly flat, I was 90 degrees short of where I thought I was. And I landed straight on my face, arms up, legs extended, confidently grabbing straight to my face. Um, very, very confident that there was a concussion there. A bloody <laughs> nose out of both nostrils. I, I came out of the water and instantly both nostrils, just straight blood. So me being the dummy that I am, I grabbed a garbage can from the uh, locker room. I stood over it. I let my nose bleed. I actually blew out to get the blood out, which is, you know, not what you want to do at all. <laughs> Seeing stars, of course, but I'm standing. Nobody can think anything of it. I went up, I did another full out that practice and I probably hit it for like six, six and a half. So it was brutal, but you just got, got to get back up and do it again. Sometimes yep. you take a shot to the face and you just got to go with it. We will, uh, when this episode airs, we are posting that video on Instagram oh, yeah. for sure. We, the quality's terrible, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad. Um, scariest dive you ever performed. Probably full out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After that, it's a little scary. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, uh, maybe, maybe inward two and a half on one meter. Like I said, yeah. I couldn't flip very fast and inward was not my best category by any means. Me and you both. Me and so you both. That, that one was always scary boards right would, there. I don't want to eat it. Would you do 27 meter? Absolutely not. No chance. <laughs> no All way. Right. I wouldn't do sense. anything off there. Not a, Honestly, not a back revert nothing no way only way you get me to do it is if i knew you were doing it too no chance <laughs> uh funniest diving moment and i i know i answer with kind of like favorite diving moment um i don't know that's i don't know there are so many I, I'll, I'll go with this tyler Magalis was a teammate of mine and uh when i was a captain for the last two years of our time at St. Cloud, I would create like raps for the team. Like when we'd go to Nueva meet, I'd find a beat on YouTube or on whatever. And it was just the beat, just the instrumental. And as we're going to this meet, and this would take me hours, right? This would take me four or five hours to do. I would create a rap for that meet. And, you know, it was whatever we were working on in practice. So like I had all these diving raps, right. That I made for the team and I would wrap them live when we got to the parking lot of the pool we were at. Right. And so fast forward a little bit, I was best man in his wedding and I actually created a legitimate song for Tyler as his best man speech. And, you know, I didn't want to be up there because we've all seen it at a wedding. You, you play the music, you got your mic in your, in your hand and you lose the rhythm and you lose the beat and then nobody can hear you. And it's a mess. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to get into a recording studio and I'm going to record a song. And it was super cool. And it was super fun. And to this day, he'll, he'll text me and he'll play that song in his car on the way to work. So I don't know. It's just, it was kind of fun for me to, to do that and be dumb. And they're, awesome. they're horrible. They're horrible, by the way, absolutely horrible. All right, Aaron. So now kind of to my questions that I have for you, um, 
I know this one is one you look forward to. How do you like to structure an 11 dive list as a high school coach? Yeah, I was looking forward to answering this question. I told my high schoolers that this question was probably coming and they were upset with me for wanting to answer it because they feel like I, we're, I'm giving all my secrets away. But uh, like I said, this is the diving community and anything to get better as a community and this high school 11 dive list structure, I feel like I'm very, very good at. And there's, there's two ways I'm going to approach this, okay? And you have to be very honest with yourself and with your athletes on where they fall. And the two approaches, the two strategies are if you are simply trying to make all the cuts or if you are a contender trying to win the meet. And I do think the two are, are, are different. And you, like I said, you need to take a look in the mirror. You need to notice who's around you. You need to know who, what your dives, your divers have, and you need to structure it accordingly. So let's talk about the first one. Actually, probably my favorite strategy is to um, organize a list around a kid that is trying to simply make all the cuts, right? You want to take top 16. Typically how, uh, as a refresher, you do five dives in the first set and you need two voluntaries you do three more dives and you need two of those to be voluntaries and then you do three more and only one voluntary in the last five or in the last three excuse me and then uh, in the first eight dives you need all five categories and in the last three you need your triple up or your your second optional there's always one category where you have two optionals one of those two needs to be in the bottom three. Okay. So keeping all of those rules in mind, there are still ways to structure a list that are better than others. Uh, if you're just trying to make the cuts, here's the secret sauce. Create a document that tracks all your dives all year long. So you can confidently say, here are your highest scoring five dives and put those first. I don't care what category they are. I don't care. Um, you know, if it's a, comf if, if it's, you know, a twister or a reverse, it doesn't matter what it is. It's got to be your highest five scoring dives that fall within the rules of two voluntaries, right? So then going a step further in that first five, your first dive needs to be comfortable, comfortable. You get off to a good start. You're on your way. Everybody's nervous. Their first round that's why inward dive is probably the most common starting dive in the entire world for a high school list. You don't have the extra steps of a front approach. It's just a back press. It's very straightforward. And many of the people do inward dive first. Now, knowing that as well, there's another counter strategy. If every single person is doing inward dive and you know your diver doesn't have the best inward dive, you probably should not put it first because the judges compare. They say, all right, I just saw an inward dive for sevens. And then your diver might come up. Can they do it for sevens? I don't know. But it, does it make sense to do an inward dive after somebody who did it excellent if you know yours is not as excellent? Okay. So then it, sticking with the first five, your fifth round dive, this is really important. It's got to be probably your highest scoring dive. A lot of times people, especially in my squad, they're doing front double tuck or front double pike if they got it, maybe inward one and a half pike. But this is that dive that if you need it, it's there. Unfortunately, in high school, you cannot change your dive. So the only thing you're allowed to change is the position. If the first four didn't go very well and you need a big one, you better have a big one. I've seen so many times where 
there, the diver is good uh, on the bubble of being cut or not. And then I see back dive tuck as their fifth dive at 1.5. And you're like, well, you better hope it's eights. Otherwise you're not going to make it. You're, you're shooting yourself in the foot by having a low degree of difficulty there. So it needs to, your fifth dive is just so ultra important to be probably an optional, but number one, it's probably, you're going to be your highest scoring dive. Um, and then this is where it gets really, really fun for me in the middle three section. And this is what I tell all my athletes. I said, this is the point where all the shuffling happens. This is where you have to have two voluntaries. Now the contenders, those two voluntaries, they're going to score likely over 30 points. That's, that's pretty standard. Um, for everybody else, those voluntaries, now that we've made the first cut, this is where you start seeing some sketchy dives. And this is the cat. This is the, the set of three that I just like to absolutely attack. Now here's how I do it. The degree of difficulty limit for an 11 dive list only applies to voluntaries. And that number is 9.0. So if your voluntaries add up to 9.0 or less, your list is good to go. What I do is I don't care if back one and a half and back dive are supposed to be optional vault. I don't care if your back dive is better or worse than your back one and a half. I'm looking, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm looking at what dive in the middle three we can mark as a vol and is going to give you the most amount of points. There have been many times, and I'll, I'll, give, I'll give examples of this. There's nothing that says you have to have back dive as the voluntary. You can put back one and a half as your optional. There's nothing that says back somersault one and a half twist at 2.3 has to be an optional. You can put that as a voluntary. You just have to rearrange the list to make sure you're under 9.0. Uh, I had a young man. This is a perfect example of this. He qualified for state. So he was a good diver. I also knew once we got down to state, he would struggle to make the cuts. Uh, I front loaded his list. I stacked his front five. He did five good enough dives. He was sitting in 20th place and they cut to 20. So he was the bubble kid. Okay. We then rearranged his middle three and he did, this is crazy, but he did back somersault one and a half twister 2.3. He did reverse one and a half 2.1 and back one and a half 2.0. The back twister and the back one and a half were his voluntaries. And the reason we did that was because I knew this is where all the shuffling happens. There's going to be some 20 pointers. There's going to be people moving around all over the place. And those two dives were, were good for him. But we also knew that if you don't make it to the last three dives, it doesn't matter. So I stacked his middle three to make the cuts. And once he made the cut, he didn't have anything left. I mean, he had back dive, he had inward dive. And I think like inward double, which was not a very good dive for him. But the point is the limit is only the 9.0 degree of difficulty you don't have to get married to the fact that if you have back dive and back one and a half, the back dive has to be the vault. That's not true. You just have to come in under 9.0. And that's where I think as a strategy piece, my Alexandria squad has elevated themselves higher than, than probably other teams. Uh, I have another example. I had a young lady, same kind of thing. We were at the section meet. We loaded her front five. We loaded her middle three. She was a girl that was on the bubble. Of, of being top 16 in the section. So she was, she was a fair diver. We get through the first five. She's in third place. She was 
diving unbelievable. We get through the next three. She was still in third place. Okay. So she's excited because we got, you know, the top four go to state. She's thinking, man, we got, we got a chance here. And, and I was so overly positive and so happy, but in the back of my head, I also knew, all right, if we were struggling to make the cuts, you know, what do we have left for dives? She didn't have much left. She didn't have, she had hardly anything left. She had a one, six, a one, seven. And I think like a one, five, that's all it was. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I'm really, really excited. I'm really happy that you are where you are. I just need you to do these the best that you possibly can. Unfortunately that day she fell all the way to 14th place, but had I not structured the list that way to set her up for the best success, she wouldn't even have gotten to those last three dives. You know, if we put the, if we put all three of those in the first five, she's, she's cut, she's gone, she's done. Yep. So that's always a fun one. And then now we have the second, the second strategy. Okay. The second strategy is you're a contender. You have a chance to win the meet or at least be top five. Let's just say top five. Similar to a um, person who's trying to make the cuts. I really still do believe that the round five dive needs to be very strong, probably one of your strongest dives. Um, I also believe in starting with a comfortable dive. Now, because you're a contender, you know, your inward dive is probably better than everybody else's, or at least on par. I love starting with inward dive. I absolutely love starting with inward dive for the contenders. It's an easy one to get some confidence going. Um, and it's just a solid dive to honestly get out of the way. Cause it's only 1.5 degree of difficulty. Then you don't have to do it later in the list when you need more DD. Um, when it comes to the middle three, similar to the first five, I like to put the highest degree of difficulty dive eighth, which is your last dive of that set. So two vols and then an optional, um, again, if you're a contender, this is probably where you're going to see your reverse dives and your back dives. Uh, that's, that's most commonly what I use in the middle three, just because those are dives that we know if you have a good kick, look, reach, you're going to rip them and they're going to be done for at least six and a half. And that's a great spot to do those dives because a lot of shuffling happens, like I said earlier. Uh, and then the last three are really important. You need to stack the last three as much as you possibly can, as much DD as you can. These are your hit or miss dives. A lot of reverse one and a halfs are done in the bottom three. Uh, I have a young lady who does front two and a half in the bottom three. It's a great dive when she can hit it. And when it's a little off, well, it's, it's still, you know, 30 to 35 points when she hits it, it's close to 50. And, and that, those are the kind of dives that you need. Um, when it's all said and done, if you think about your last three dives, you should be scoring somewhere between 120 and 150 points. That's somewhere between 40 and 50 a dive. Uh, and, and it ends up being, you know, you have to do 11 dives to win a meet. You can't do 10 or you can't do eight and be leading after eight and you have nothing left. You got to have a lot of strong dives last. Um, another example of how this one worked out well, just this last season, I had a young lady and I'm looking at her list and I'm thinking about who's in our section. And that's another thing you, you need to know who's around you as a coach. That's kind of part of your job. Um, and I said, all right, would you prefer to be a front runner and hold on to the lead? Or would you prefer to kind of be in the background, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh place, and then come up at the end when it matters? And she looked at me and she said, I want to, I want to come up at the end. I want to load my back three. I was like, perfect. Sounds good. So we did that. She was in seventh place with three dives to go and she's in tears. She's absolutely bawling. 
And I go over to her. I said, well, what's going on? And she says, well, I'm, I'm not going to make it to state. I'm, I'm too far back. I don't, I'm not going to make, I said, we talked about this. I asked you what you prefer. I asked you, here's the scenario. What, what do you prefer? And this is what you wanted. I'd said, it's, you're not going to be in first place. You're going to come out of nowhere in the last three. And we kind of picked her up and mentally got her going. And I knew that she was going to get help from other divers because the other three, uh, the other dives were, were not stellar, especially back double back double is just not a great dive, especially for the females in, you know, in the last three. And I knew she was going to get help. I knew she had three solid dives. She made a hard charge at the end. She jumped all the way up into third place. So if you're contending, you need to stack your last three as much as you possibly can. And if you're, uh, if you're one of those who's looking to make all the cuts, you got to stack that top five and then really, really try to manipulate the DD a little bit on your middle three so that, you know, you can make it to your last three. Otherwise, what good does it do having a good dive in the bottom three? If you don't get to do it, you, you know, you yeah. need to make the cuts before you get there. So, yeah, yeah, def- that was a long, def- long winded answer, but I'm really excited about that. That's a strategy piece that I do truly feel like that's probably one of my greatest strengths as a coach. But, but I do think that that's something that a lot of high school coaches don't think about. I, th- I think some do. I, I definitely think some do, but I know we've gotten tons of messages from high school coaches that have learned a lot from this. And I think that's a great piece of advice to, cause everybody does assume, Oh, we do back dive and back one and a half back one and a half is the optional. And it's like, well, there's nothing that says it has to be. And, and I think that's great. Um, you know, so my next question for you is, um, you know, you kind of mentioned the strategy of it is one of your strengths. What do you think your other strengths are as a coach? Um, I think, I think the fact that I also judge at a high level helps me coach the athletes to, um, focus on the things that the judging judges are looking for. You know, you're, you're coaching based on your judging, um, things like something as simple as a starting position, Mm -hmm. Uh, Jason Bauman helped me a lot with that just this past year. Not only that, but you know, the head position is just so huge, especially on backs and reverses and ripping an entry and how to rip an entry, whether it's a pike save or a knee save, uh, a, a great drill, by the way, if you follow Laura Wilkinson, please do. If you don't, Laura Wilkinson was a phenomenal diver, a, a a gold medalist in the Olympics. She had a video where she was in the shallow end of the pool and she did a handstand. And then from that handstand, she dips below the surface of the water and she does both a pike save and a knee save in the video. And it's amazingly helpful for what it can do for the athletes. We did a day where we did that exact drill. And then that same day, once we got on the board, started doing dives, I immediately saw an improvement in their entries. And that's just been huge. But I would say I'm a fairly solid technical coach. Um, I'm excited to get a kid who's strong. Um, I'm not sure that I've had that yet. We've, we just, we just hammer technique. And I tell the kids all the time, I say, you know, there, there might be dual meets where you get beat by a certain person, but once we get down to the state meet, they won't beat you. And they're, they're confused as to why. And I just said, when we're down here, all they, all they look at is technique. And if your technique is better, you are going to beat them. 
you know, just yeah. because you're doing front two and a half and it lands vertical, it doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. And yeah. you know, they, they get caught up in the, in the, in the middle of the year, losing to some of these people. And, and then, you know, you, you get them at the state level just because their technique is better. Yeah. I think, um, you know, real quick before I elaborate on it real quick. Um, so I know where that video is. Is that on Twitter, Instagram? What's that on? Yeah, I saw it on Instagram and I believe her handle is La La Diver or something yeah, like that. I think you're correct. Yep. So, so for anybody that wants to see that video, go check that out. Um, I think you're so spot on, you know, you and I spoke about this previously. Um, I had a, a female diver at Westminster and we would go to our conference and uh, I, I can say it on here now. I no longer coach like our conference had bad diving. I mean, they did like we, we finally developed a program that was doing extremely well. Um, but that conference, like they always had the swimming officials judge and they had no clue what they were watching. I watched I, my first year. I'll never forget it. I walked out of the pool first. Only time I've ever walked out of the pool during a diving meet. I think I called you actually. I watched a kid do full twisting one and a half. He did full twisting somersault, came down, hit his feet on the board. Like he landed back on the board, flipped over, landed flat on his back. And I watched judges debate if it was failed for probably legitimately a minute and a half. And then someone gave it a five. And I'm wow. like, what, what are we doing? So, you know, so I finally get some, some talented kids in and this one female athlete, her name's Caitlin fast. Um, you know, she was very technically proficient, very like she didn't do the hardest dives, but she did her dives well. And, uh, her freshman year, she finished, I think like fourth on three meter. And I thought she should have probably been like second. Um, and I told her, I said, don't worry when we go to regionals, which is the division three zones, I said, you will beat all of those girls, except for the girl who won. She was just better. Um, and sure enough, we went to the division three zone meet and she beat all of those girls. And I'm like, because when you go to those upper level meets, they're watching your technique. They're watching your hurdle. They're watching. Do you just fly out of it? Like they're watching all those little things. And, and that was like a really good reinforcement for me, as I feel sure it is for you. Like I am teaching the right stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So, so just the opposite end of that question, you know, what are the struggles you have as a coach? What do you need to get better at? Ooh, I recently, and I know for the rest of my career, I'm probably going to struggle with this a lot. Um, I, I can't, I can't give up the fact that some people just don't love diving as much as I do. Most people. And it, right. But I really similar to you, I have a very addictive personality. And, and once I do something, I need to continue to do it and I need to obsess about it. And I go just crazy mentally, but it, it, it helps, you know, I I'm a good coach because of it. But the thing that I will forever struggle with is I see so much potential in an athlete. I see so much potential in a certain dive or a category and I want nothing more than to get that and expand on it further. You know, if, if you do one good reverse dive, now I see reverse one and a half finishing the exact same way. And, and so I, I, I get so obsessed with, Hey, you have potential. I'm excited for you. Let's do this together. Let me help you. I want to be there for you when I also need to realize like, Hey, they might not just love diving as much as I do and yeah. they might not want it as much as I do. And so that has been a, a huge internal reflection that I've had to do. 
and say, you know, not everybody is obsessed with this like you are. And yeah. it, like I said, it's really hard to realize that and, and say that, but it's very true. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have a couple of athletes that I'm like, man, if we could just this, 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 I want more time and we could do this. And then I'll, I'll ask them a, a simple question. And it's not like, Oh, do you love diving? I feel like all my divers would answer that with a yes, but it's, it's like a, Oh wait, no, I, I, yeah, that's my bad. I, uh, I went a little too far and I, I, <laughs> I need to be listening to you a little bit more rather than letting my brain spiral into being how great you could be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, I know you and I have talked about this. Uh, I, uh, Joe Cherko from Boston area diving told me this at one of the regional meets. He's like, I started asking divers, how good do you want to be? And he's like, cause I used to think I have to try to get all every kid to be a national champion and I had to realize I'm coaching high school and age group kids. And it's like, some of them are here to have fun and that's what their goal is. And, yeah. and I started like doing that with my college kids and, and I've been shocked at how much it relieves a little bit of stress. Like there are kids on our team that it's like, Hey, I want to be a member of a team and I want to get better, but I know nationals is not a goal for me. And it's like, Oh, like, okay, we need to have good dual meets then like, let's have fun. Let's enjoy it. Let's learn. Because I've found that that has maybe brought, kids more love for the sport than a coach who's like we're trying to go to nationals and they're like well that's not what my goal is you know you you right. can't i think i hear so many people say it you can't want it more than the athlete yeah and and that's that's exactly where it comes from and yeah i'm i'm definitely getting better at that it's a work in progress um but you know i just have to be a little bit better to myself because i beat myself up about it you know yeah. if, if somebody has a bad night diving i I look at the night and I look at what dives it was and I structure workouts based on it rather than just kind of putting my hands up and saying, you know what, they had one bad night and I need yeah. to do that a lot more. And I need to do a lot better job at that. So, so that's, that's a good question. That's a good segue. How, how do you deal with that? Like when you get home and it was just a bad day, sometimes the kids just don't bring it. And how do you deal with that? Uh, I, I talk about it way too much with my girlfriend, Bailey, and, <laughs> and she knows that. And we have this thing. She, I, I told her, I said, I obsess and I know I do. And, and it's not a good quality that I have in me, but I need to know when I'm doing it because sometimes I don't even realize it. It's just like word vomit and it comes out and I'm like, all that I, all that I'm thinking about and all I can think about right now in this moment is making that athlete a better diver and how I can play my role in making them better. And she looks at me every once in a while. She says, Aaron, you're being obsessive right now. And I go, okay, thank you. Yeah. And that's it. And then I let it go. I yep. just need a little reminder. That's yep. that's. And she has been phenomenal with that. She's so supportive. And I've asked her so many times, like, Hey, this is really strenuous on the schedule. Is this, <laughs> how's this going? Is this okay? And, yeah. and uh, she's been amazing with the little reminders, like, Hey, not everybody loves this as much as you do. It's okay to calm down. I'm like, thank yeah. you. I needed that. I needed that. So, so looking at it as a whole, you know, we talked strengths, we've talked weaknesses. What do you think you have gained? You know, we are tomorrow will be the 25th episode. So we are doing this interview on October 24th and October 25th is the 25th episode. So we are one week short of, we've done this for six months. <laughs> we put one out every Monday for six months, which is kind of crazy to think, you wow. know, and I, 
um, you know, what, what has been your big tip? Like, what have you learned the most from our time of doing this? Uh, I mean, many people have said this on the podcast, but it's just so overwhelmingly true that everybody's just willing to help. Everybody's willing to help. If you ask, somebody is willing to help. There was a couple of times where I was struggling with, with, with something, or, um, I had an athlete who was super fresh, super brand new. And I texted a couple people from the podcast. I say, Hey, what would you do? Because she, she knows little to nothing. She just has some qualities that could be good down the road. And, you know, I got five responses back from five people that I respect tremendously in the sport. And it was just like, Hey, let's get on the phone with me. Let's have a conversation. This is really exciting. This is really cool. So the amount of support and the fact that, you know, you can ask almost anybody in this sport and they'll help you out. That's just been, it's been crazy. It's been fun, you know? And we were talking to Denise a couple, yeah. a couple, uh, couple of episodes ago, mm-hmm. excuse me. It'll come out tomorrow. So you're good. Oh, okay. Um, and she said something so simple and this is always how it goes. She says, Hey, if your kids are struggling, bending their elbows on a hurdle, tell them to swing with their elbows instead of swinging with their hands. It was like, Oh yeah, that'll keep your elbows straight. That yep. makes a lot of sense. And I've used that. I've used oh, that yeah. in my coaching and, and they're like, Oh yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. And so even my athletes are saying, you know, this podcast is making you a better coach. I'm like, I appreciate you saying that it's, it's really all to benefit you guys too. So that's been really fun that they're recognizing it uh, and that people are just willing to help. Yeah. I, I I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I 100% stole exactly what Denise told us to do. And it it helped one of my female athletes a ton. on I said, Denise, again, it's Diane. I have to Uh, apologize. I can, I cannot, uh, I feel so horrible. I, I you got me she, she, she has every right to it's <laughs> Diane. I apologize, that, Diane. <laughs> we'll make it up to her, but, um, no, like I, I stole that from her as well. And it has helped one of my female athletes immensely on backs and gainers. I see her starting it better. I see things going up higher. I see the standups getting fixed. And then, you know, you had told me the other day, you're like, Oh, tell her to do that on inwards. And I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Now we've switched inwards from tuck to pike. And it's like, those things have greatly helped. Um, and I think it's, it's been fun to ask you that. And, and, you know, you have no prep on what I'm going to ask you. And it's, it's, it's been crazy that this started as you saying, Hey, I got a stupid idea. What do you think? And (laughs) here we are. Um, you know, how about if you could, if you could go back in your diving career, what's one thing you would change? Um, besides coming to Clarion instead of St. Cloud. Yeah. Right. 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 (laughs) Uh, I would have asked a lot more questions. Um, I'm seeing now the flaws in my own diving. Uh, my hurdle was not great. My flexibility wasn't always the best in my shoulders. I could have done a whole lot more. And if I would have asked a coach, Hey, what can I do to just get better? Or what can I do to change my hurdle? Or what can I do to flip faster? just asking more questions, I feel like I would have gotten better because, you know, I did a bunch of camps at the university of Minnesota and I did a camp at Texas. And for the most part, I feel at this point, they were doing 
what they could with what they had. Yeah. And that was, that was me to a T. Honestly, that's a little bit of division two to a T you do the best with what you got. And I wasn't ever going to be a perfect diver, but I would have appreciated a hard conversation from somebody that said, Aaron, your shoulders are not flexible at all. You need to do this every single day. If you want to have a future in this sport at the elite level, or if they said, Aaron, your hurdle is absolutely jacked. Why are you hanging your knee up in the air so long on front? You need to snap it down. Like if somebody just would have grabbed hold of me and said, Hey, this isn't going to be a fun conversation with you. I'm going to be really critical, but it's going to make you better. I would have loved that. And, and had I known I could have asked more questions of those people, I'm sure they would have, would have given me those answers. Um, so yeah, that's something that I definitely would change. And obviously some injury passed. So, you know, going back to pre-injury of maybe not trying stupid things on the trampoline, that would have been helpful as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, you had asked me this question, you know, um, March 18th to the 20th, we're going to be going down to Moss farms to help out with the clinic down there. Um, you know, what are you looking forward to from that clinic, from that three to four days that we'll be there? Honestly, a couple of things and a, a lot of them are undiving related. I'm well, number one, I'm really excited to see the facility. I think that facility, I've seen pictures, it looks beautiful. I'm really excited to see the facility. Uh, number two, I'm just excited to soak up the atmosphere with, with John Fox down there and you know talk with him about things in life, not only in, um, in diving, but you know I know he's a good golfer. I love talking golf. <laughs> I also know he's incredibly uh, dedicated to God. And I'm really excited to have some conversations with him about that and, and how he does or does not and draw the line of incorporating, incorporating that with his coaching. Um, that's always been something that's, that's tough. You don't know if that's a receptive conversation or not. So I'm excited to talk to him about that and just pick yeah. his brain a little bit. I think that's, that's awesome. Um, just to kind of help, help him out a little bit, um, you know, we get to go in March, which is something we're really looking forward to. They do have clinics as well in November, January, and February. So they do have limited spots. It's only eight, eight athletes per coach. Um, so make sure if you're interested in doing that, um, you know, as you guys well know, the listeners, like we think the world of John Fox and how he runs a club team down there. Um, so we think you guys can definitely learn a lot. Other coaches that are listening, if you are doing camps and or clinics and would like us to mention it on the podcast, reach out to us. We can set up a call and kind of talk to you about how we can do that. Um, and I think we have some exciting stuff, you know, and that leads me to kind of my last question for you. You were, we're six months in to this, yep. this podcast. Yep. Where do you think or hope we are with this six months from now at the one year mark? I want to do some commentating and announcing whether it's announcing on deck for a big meet like junior nationals or senior nationals or commentating on Instagram live. If it has to be, I think that would be so much fun to just add some, some spice to our sport. I think it's a little stale when it comes to the broadcast side of things. And I feel like we have two voices right now that are pretty yeah. excited about diving and I am everybody's cheerleader, as you've mentioned <laughs> yes. a couple of times that I would love to get behind the mic and high five some kids as they're on their way by the table and just get excited about being there so that we can drive more people. You know, it was mentioned earlier, but 
you know, Rowdy Gaines watching swimming. He's standing in his chair. He's excited. He's waving his arms. Like I want to be that for diving. And I think that would be so much fun to at least explore the opportunity. We might try it and we might be horrible. That's okay. If, if somebody bigger, better than us wants to do it. Great. I'm just saying we need a little more variety and we need people to mix it up a little bit more. And I think that would be really, really fun to do as far as the podcast goes. Um, I, I think, you know, just continuing to gain ears and continuing to reach out to coaches and, um, hopefully just growing the sport, you know, yeah, there, there, it's a sport we all love. And, and hopefully this podcast is doing something to just generate some more listeners and more potential for, Hey, I got a friend who snowboards. I got a friend who jumps on the trampoline. Yeah. Maybe I'll bring him to the pool one day with me. That kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. I think something that we, we probably can put out there on Instagram that I think would be neat too, is we, we should try to celebrate, you know, young athletes as they get to go through the, the process and committing to a college. And if they have photos or something, um, we, you know, you pretty much run the Instagram so that'll be nice if you can share it and we can at least put it out there and, and do all those things for those young athletes and, uh, and just kind of keep plugging away. Honestly, we haven't had a lot of feedback lately, um, you know, whether that's good or bad. So if people think there's other ideas out there, we have a few, a few big ideas that is kind of keeps getting mentioned that Aaron and I are sitting down talking about. And if that idea comes to fruition, you guys will obviously be the first ones to know outside of me and Aaron. Um, but just really excited for where this is going to go. Um, is there anything else you want to cover before we head out? No, just kind of mention the dates again, one more time. If anybody's out there and they want to come meet us down in Georgia, please sign up for that camp. That would be so much fun. We are guest coaching, so we get to be on deck. We get to give you our criticisms and, and, uh, celebrations when you do good dives. But I think you know, just driving some interest for that clinic. I think that's going to be so much fun. So Moss Farms, Moultrie, Georgia, March, I believe it's 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, some of the days in there Yeah, that weekend there, it's a three-day event. That would be really fun to, uh, to see tons of people show up and, um, just hang out. Agreed. Agreed. But, uh, so I usually don't get to do this. This is usually your job. So it's kind of weird, but, uh, you know, you guys remember to go to cowingrobards.com if you want a, uh, a t-shirt, enter the, co- the promo code DivePod, and uh, Aaron will make sure you guys get those. He always tries to write you guys a note, so um, it goes to help Aaron's, uh, helps us here, and, and it's an awesome way. The shirts are super comfortable, so t-shirts and hoodies. Um, if you need more information, I know a few people have messaged us on Instagram for the link and you've just sent them the website. So that's always an option as well. Actually, I can probably just, uh, we, I can show you how to put it on Instagram since you run that Aaron. Um, but we will see you next time, everybody. All right. Bye.